Hey, welcome to Just Ask Rethinking Development Podcast with your hosts, Brian Wilburn, Director of Development at St. Paul's Newman Center, and Greg Jeffrey, Founder and Principal of Catholic Development Group. And our goal in this podcast, there's a lot of fundraising podcasts out there, but oftentimes you hear this advice and you think, have these people even been in a donor visit in the last century? Maybe not. But uh, for us, it's really field-tested practices that we're kind of doing with you in real time. And that's what we want to do again today. So what are we going to talk about, Greg? Well, this being our 101st podcast. 101 Dalmatians here. 101 podcast. I thought we would stretch the envelope a little bit today and talk about Warsaw, the dentist, and the Great Flood of 97. Warsaw... The Dentist, and the Great Flood of 97. Now, what do those three things have in common? Um, I don't care to experience any of them. <laughs> is that is that good? Yeah. No, no, no. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Okay. But you may recall a few podcasts ago, we talked about the changing demographics of giving within Catholic parishes, that these right. days, the vast majority of the money is coming from the elderly and those people 50 and under, it's pretty... They're just it's, it's not pretty, trim. pretty absent. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty trim. So um, what I did recently was I had an opportunity to gather a few of the under 45 together for drinks around a big table in somebody's backyard, and we had a conversation about their parish. Now, the people that were gathered were actually you know pretty committed to their parish. They were all under 45. They were pretty committed to their parish, but when I shared certain statistics with them, I mean, I think it was pretty shocking. So hmm. let me share with you and our listeners some of the statistics from this particular parish. So what we found when I did a demographic study of giving was that those parishioners or parish households that were between 80 and 100 years old mm-hmm. contributed about 14% of the budget. Okay. Okay. Fourteen percent over eighty. Yeah. Yeah. Over eighty. Up to a hundred. We're contributing fourteen percent of the budget. Under fifteen was contributing about seventeen percent of the budget. So fourteen percent is coming from over eighty, and seventeen percent is coming from under fifty. From everybody under fifty. Correct. And that's most of the people like working, or well, I guess with the boomers, maybe not. But Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay, so um, I shared their, these parish stats, and what do you think was their first reaction? I love old people. That's what they were thinking. They're like, wow, good thing there's so many great old people here. <laughs> Thanks for playing. Uh, okay, what was their response? Now, what do you think were their first response? When you told them this statistic? Yeah. Oh, oh crap. Uh, that would be mine. I'd be like, it would be, wow, we got a problem. No, that wasn't. What was theirs? Their first reaction was, well, you know, things are tougher these days. We don't have the kind of disposable income that our parents or grandparents what had. What a bunch of bull crap. Yeah. Really? That we don't have the same kind of disposable income our parents did? Uh, uh, yeah, I think so. On a, I, I get some of the scale that, you know, there was a golden age, you know, after the war and whatever, and people had some more income. But I still think, you know, they also had more kids than we did. Generally, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm 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 in the category breaking that mold at the moment with five kids myself. But 
Um, I think people then were just had a better understanding that their money was not their own, was needed, that there was a, there was more demanded for generosity. Okay. Of course, when you're having a gathering like this, I'm not going to do anything except listen and right, ask right. more questions, right? But after the event, I began to think about Warsaw, the dentist, and the Great Flood of 97. As most of us do. <laughs> right. So because Warsaw, the dentist, and the Great Flood of 97 would be a pretty good rebuttal to anybody under 50 who says, we would give more, but you know things are tougher than our parents had, right? Or our grandparents had. So do tell, Greg. So Warsaw. So when my great-grandparents came from Poland, they settled in Warsaw, North Dakota. They were living in homes made of sod. They were living in dirt houses, right? Yeah. With outhouses, no running water, no electricity. And yet, my 92-year-old godmother, my beautiful 92-year-old Polish godmother, tells me stories that her, it would have been her grandparents mm-hmm. that were the immigrants, right? When they came, they got the land from the government, right? late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah. And the community, the Polish community in Warsaw, North Dakota, got together and everybody having gotten their land from the government for free because they lived there for the the requisite year, they went to the bank and everybody collectively mortgaged their land to raise money to put up that or that amazing church that you now find in Warsaw. Is that how it happened in Warsaw, North Dakota? So for our listeners, if you're going across the North Dakota prairie, which is famous for no trees or hills, (laughs) I mean, it's like being on the ocean, except there's something solid under your feet. And then on the horizon, you see this giant spear. And when you get close to Warsaw, North Dakota, you come upon this absolutely gorgeous brick church in a Gothic style with the most amazing stained glass windows mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And that was built by people, you know, who lived in sod houses with no running wow. water, no electricity. Wow. And probably eight or nine kids. They all mortgaged their so land. So did did that generation have it better than the current generation to be able to give the money necessary and needed to put up a church? Probably not. We don't live it, in sod houses anymore. Yeah. So that's Warsaw. Okay. Warsaw the dentist and the great flood of 97. Let's go to the dentist. I was going to say, I'm most excited to hear about the dentist. Keep going. So my mother, also my beautiful Polish mother, who's now 88, you know, um, she would, she was very keen on making sure that her children got to the dentist. Right. Hmm. But, there wasn't a lot of money when we were growing up. Now, we didn't know that. We never went hungry. We always had shoes on our feet, right? But my mom was very good on finding ways to save money to make ends meet. So that as a child, every weekend, I could see mom and dad faithfully putting that gift in the Sunday offertory. So what was one of the ways my mom economized I just discovered this from my older brother a few months ago. (laughs) I always thought that back in 1968, 69, 
when I went to those first few checkups with the dentist and got those teeth filled, I always thought it was old Dr. Nord, who was probably trained as a dentist in the 20s, who probably didn't believe in giving Novocaine for the dangers Mm -hmm. that that Mm -hmm. would entail. He could strike the wrong nerve or something. I always assumed that was the reason, as a child, that we didn't get anesthetic when we had our teeth filled. That was not the reason. I just discovered (laughs) from my older brother, and my mom confirmed this, was it was one way to economize that the, the anesthetic was extra to the filling. Whoa. Yeah, I know. So it gives new meaning, Brian, to the word offer it up. Ooh. But you know what? It's not that bad, really. And because we always went to the dentist regularly, and the dentist would just put headphones on us, and we'd listen to the mamas and the papas, and he would drill away, and he'd say, if it gets, if it gets, if it hurts, just raise your hand and I'll stop for a second. Then I'd raise my hand, he'd stop for a second, then go back and finish the job, right? Uh, and I just figured, you know, brutal. The, the less I raise my hand, the sooner this is going to be over with. But I'm, I was like maybe 20 or 22 before I uh, ever had Novocaine on my teeth because I just assumed that that was really a dangerous thing to do. Um, <laughs> but my point is, my point is, how many how many parents, in order to give a faith witness to the children about supporting the church would find ways to economize, including at the dentist. No, because it costs you something. You can't, you have to not have something else to well, do. It, it was, it was a true sacrificial yeah, gift. What yeah. a, but what a beautiful thing. I mean, what a, totally. what, what, what a beautiful statement of faith, right? Now, um, People these days might think that was a horrendous child abuse or something. It wasn't. It was, I don't. I've, I've never ever seen it that way. I think it was a super beautiful statement of faith, right? Warsaw, the dentist, and the Great Flood of ninety-seven. Yeah, ninety-seven. In nineteen ninety-seven, there was this massive flood that took out. So now we're going to the next generation. We're going to my generation, right? Mm-hmm. That took out almost everything in East Grand Forks, Minnesota, and most of Grand Forks, North Dakota. And um, after the flood, um, I was asked to do a capital campaign for my alma mater to raise the money to rebuild the school. Mm -hmm. And um, here's my point. Everybody that I was asking for a gift had been flooded out. They were making gifts to rebuild the school from their FEMA loans. So just like two generations before them in Warsaw, yeah. borrowing money and then giving it to the church, people, a lot of people, a lot of people did that at Sacred Heart and East Grand Forks. Wow. So what is the thing that ties these three things together? It's it's faith, right? It's just a deep, deep connection with the church. And so as I was visiting with these young people who were saying, well, you know, we, we don't have it to give. Hmm. Well, you know, those other three generations didn't have it, didn't have it to give either. But what they had in spades was faith that found a way to give despite all the odds. Right. So there's two points here. Um, yeah. um, something else other than what money is at play with this generation of under 50. It's not just about having money to give away. It's one's money in relation to faith. Um, So my question then becomes, is it a shortage of money or is it a shortage of faith? So how do we solve this coming crisis? Because I've been looking for an answer for this, and I didn't seem to have one until just an epiphany like the last couple days. Um, I think we solve it in two ways. Number one, by calling young people to greater faith. 
by young people, I mean under 50, right? Yeah. By calling them to greater faith. Now, how do you do that? You know, when I was visiting with these people, it really was a beautiful evening because the more we talked, the more I saw them go deeper and deeper and deeper into explaining their relationship with the church. And one of the things that I learned in humility of listening, we talked about listening in one of our recent podcasts, right? What I learned in the humility of listening was that they didn't feel connected to the church. Now, they had kids in the elementary school, but for a lot of them, I think it was probably just like a transactional thing. I want to get them out of public school, which is dangerous and so on and so forth. But they didn't have a relationship with the church, and they didn't have a relationship with one another, right? So I think there's two things. We got to call people to faith, but the entranceway to greater faith is community. Community is the entranceway that we learn. And what they pointed out to me was there's all these great ministries at this particular parish. There's this retreat and that retreat and this group and that group. But before you get tied in to one of these really exemplary type retreats that everybody's talking about, you don't just start there. That's where you end up. The starting point is feeling connected with somebody else at the church, right? And so they started talking about, can we just like do a barbecue or something? Mm-hmm. You know, can we just have a, a gathering where parents can come together after mass, right? And let's give some incentive for parents to come like a free gene day or whatever they yeah. do to incentivize yeah. parents to, to do X, Y, or Z. But they were saying, let's, let's do it in context, you know, of, of, um, of after a Sunday mass, let's have a barbecue in the in the parking lot or something like that. So I did begin to get some ideas on how to work our way out of this situation, and um, um, but the, the witness of Warsaw, the dentist, and the Great Flood of '97. I mean, that just it, it it gives a lie to the idea that we give it if we had it, but we don't have it. Right? These people didn't have it. These no. other people didn't. And have I think it. you know, just one thing I would I would say on it at the end here is just that when I when I hear you talking about those the elements of faith and that if they had greater faith, you know, it's going to lead to greater giving. I totally believe that. I also think that faith is one of those weird things that you're like, I don't have it. Well, the only way to grow in it is to to get to act as if you had faith to start putting your faith into action even before you necessarily feel that and one of the ways to do that is by being generous like those people they stepped out they mortgaged their properties and they gave and i'll bet i'm not saying it's you know gospel prosperity but i'll bet that the reward from god in a sense in other ways was great um in the faith so great topic greg all right we'll see See you you next week. week